Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hey, folks, it's Rena Jadhav here with the Healthier Podcast. And today we're chatting with physician, Dr. Tom Cowan. Now, he's written three books. The book we're going to talk about today is fascinating. It's Cancer and the New Biology of Water. Dr. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Why'd you write the book? Now, you'd written other books, and you clearly have uh, a stance that's quite different from what the general practice, general physicians will say. So talk a little bit about where do you get your perspective from, which is so different from how you were trained, right? Uh, it's very different than how I was trained. I, uh, but I must say, before I even went to medical school, I had, uh, was exposed to the work of Weston Price and uh, Rudolf Steiner, and they, they, it, that allowed me to see the world differently. And so it's been a 40-year uh, journey to undo what I was supposedly learned that was true and figure out actually what is true. And, and that's the basic reason I wrote the book, because our current conception of cancer, which is it's a genetic disease, is frankly incorrect, easily proven. And I once you see how and why it's incorrect, it opens up a whole new world for understanding health, biology, and in particular, cancer. Well, let's dive right in. So your uh, first part, the book is structured into three parts. Part one, which is a new understanding of cancer. Part two, which is potential therapies. And part three, practical steps forward for individuals. And um, I have to say that I couldn't put the book down having been a cancer patient in the past. So let's begin with part one, a new understanding of cancer. Chapter one, the failure of the oncogene theory. All right, what, why has it failed? What do we need to know about this? So in 1971, Richard Nixon announced the war on cancer, and he said we're going to spend whatever amount of money we need in order to solve this problem with the prediction of the medical scientific community that in 10 years, so 1981, we would have solved the problem of cancer. Uh, I've tried to figure out how much money was actually spent since 71 on cancer research and buildings and therapies, et cetera. And I thought it was between four and $10 trillion, but my uh, editors talked me down into the high hundreds of billions because nobody really knows. But in uh, 2004, for instance, uh, the Australian government did a study on the benefit of chemotherapy for people with cancer of all stages, which is the main theory, main practice that came out of this war. And they said the benefit was about 2.3%, which is basically nothing. So this trillion dollar or hundreds of billion dollar effort, the biggest effort besides probably the war machine, amounted to practically nothing. Now, the reason for that is because essentially the scientific community and the medical community bet the farm 
that cancer was a genetic disease. They said that we have these 23 pairs of chromosomes, 22 are somatic, you have a mutation in one of these somatic chromosomes, there'll be one mutation that causes prostate cancer or one mutation in your particular cancer, we'll find it, we'll do something about it, end of the problem. Instead, what they found is that any particular cancer has literally hundreds or thousands of different mutations. Every cancer has different mutations. Every individual with a tumor has one cell, has six mutations, the next has a hundred, the next has a thousand. And as the uh, keynote speaker at the American Oncology Conference said a few years ago, the oncogene theory has failed and uh, we need to look somewhere else. All right. The locus of cancer. Talk to us about that. So the oncogene theory is that cancer is a genetic disease, meaning it's on the genes, which are on the DNA, which are in the nucleus. Uh, a cell is made of essentially two parts. It has a membrane, and then it has a cytoplasm, which is the, quote, quote watery part. And then it has a nucleus, which has these genes and these oncogenes in it. By the way, it's not that there aren't mutations, but they're just not the driver. Right. So here's a, here's a very simple experiment that solves this problem of the locus of cancer. You take two, two separate normal cells. You can actually take the nucleus out of one, put it into the other one, the progeny are normal. Then you take a cancer cell and a normal cell. You take the nucleus out of the cancer cell where these mutations are. You put it into a healthy cytoplasm, the progeny are normal. And then you take a, uh, the nucleus out of a cancer cell, no, nucleus out of a normal cell, and you put it into the cytoplasm of a cancer cell, and the progeny are cancer. What that tells you is the transmittable parts, the locus, the location of the cancer is in the cytoplasm, not in the nucleus. Because when you transplant a cancerous nucleus into a healthy cytoplasm, it becomes their normal cells. Oh, when, you do, when you do the opposite, if you transplant a normal nucleus, so no, no mutations, no oncogenes, into a cancerous cytoplasm, the progeny are cancer. And the analogy that I used in the book, because I like to write with analogies, it's like you come upon a person looking for something under the street light. And you say, what are you looking for? And he says, my keys. So you help him look. And you say, well, where'd you lose your keys? He says, over in the bushes. And you say, well, why are you looking under the street light? And he says, because the light's there. And so the light is better in the nucleus, but the keys are in the bushes. So we have to either understand what the cytoplasm is and how it works. Right. It causes cancer or we will never get anywhere. Why is this not being studied more extensively? Because if you, if you start investigating what is the cytoplasm, you end up getting squarely in the question of what is life. And because the life force, and I can describe exactly what I mean by that, yes. resides in the cytoplasm. 
And the problem is conventional science and medicine has no idea what life force means. They, they actually are derisive of the idea. And as I like to say to people, essentially your doctor thinks you're dead uh, because he treats you as if you're only made of physical atoms, which are like, like you're a rock or a, or a, a bench or something. And there's no life in that. And the life force, which resides in the water, in the cytoplasm, is basically everything. And because modern science has no conception of that, they can't study it. What do you think creates cancer in our, in our cells? What's, what's the genesis of it? So <clears throat> the way to answer that question is if you can forget about what we think we know from science and just stick with what you see for a minute. In other words, what's indisputably accurate. So if you have a tumor, and the usual example I give is a breast tumor, just because it's easy to conceptualize. If you feel a normal breast, it feels a certain way, usually soft, and then you get to the tumor and it feels like a hard rock. And then you go away from that and it gets soft again. So that's all tumors. They feel like a hard rock. They, and not, they have a different density than the rest of the normal tissue. So in other words, the reason there's this difference in tumors versus normal tissue is there's too many cells packed into a small space. So the question then is how do, how do cells orient themselves in space so that they have a normal spatial orientation of a breast or a pancreas or a prostate or whatever it is. So that's been a question that has concerned science and medicine for literally centuries. And there's an answer for that. The, the answer is that cells distribute sodium and potassium in a very specific way that creates a charge around the cell. So imagine two negatively charged cells coming together. And because they repel each other, because they have the same charge, they keep their distance depending on the strength of the charge. And that distance creates a spatial orientation which is normal to that tissue. Now in cancer, you lose that charge. So there's no more, you know, all cells collect potassium and exclude sodium. That's fundamental part of, of cellular biology. Now, and that's how we create this charge, which creates a living cell, which has a normal spatial orientation. A cancer cell has lost the charge, lost the connection to the rest of the cells, and forms itself into a tumor. So the next question is, how does this distribution of sodium and potassium come about? Again, a question that has concerned scientists for hundreds and thousands, hundreds of years, anyways. And then in 1957, they discovered the pump, which one of the best, biggest discoveries in medicine and science. There's a pump in the membrane, pumps the sodium out and the potassium in. That creates the charge, which creates the spatial orientation. Here's the problem. The pump is the myth even though it's a foundation of modern science and modern medicine. There is a pump, but it has nothing to do with the sodium-potassium distribution. 
So the question is, what does? Uh, and the reason I know that is because if you do the energetics of a pump and you measure how much energy would it take to pump all this sodium out and potassium in, it's about 30 times the amount of energy the cell has to do everything. So it's like having a $30,000 mortgage and a salary of 2000 The wow. math doesn't add up. So how does it happen? It happens because the water in our cell, in the cytoplasm, is not liquid water. It's crystalline, so-called structured water. And like any structured water, it has a mesh. So it's like this. Now, by some miracle of nature, the mesh is, has the size, so it attaches to potassium and excludes sodium with no energy required. And it's like a mosquito netting. A mosquito netting has a certain size to let mm -hmm. the air in and keep the mosquitoes out. If you made it 10 times as big, the mosquitoes would come in and it wouldn't work. So the reason water is the carrier of life and creates this energetic field is because it's structured in a certain way so that it, it collects the uh, potassium, excludes the sodium, creates a charge around and in the cell and makes life possible. And I just want to say one more thing for those of you who say, where did I get this from? Am I making this up? So we have a machine, a device, that we use to detect cancer. It's called an MRI machine, right? Everybody knows that. The unfortunate thing is, do you know what it measures? Water concentration? It, it measures the, the structure of water in the cells. So when the structure of water deteriorates, in other words, when it goes from structured water, crystalline water, to liquid so-called bulk water, that sends a different signal, which is picked up by the MRI machine, and it shows up as a tumor. Wow. So the definition of cancer in conventional medicine, as, as demonstrated by an MRI machine, is a deterioration of the cytoplasmic structure of water, period. Wow. That's not in dispute. So why people say, oh, there's nothing to do with water and the structure. There is no such thing as structured water. It's, it's, it's just complete ignorance of the basic science. It, it also, when you, start, when you start thinking, well, how does this water get structured? It also teaches us that another fundamental tenet of biology, which, by the way, one of the things that so irritates me is all the alternative and holistic and functional doctors have bought into this lie, and it, it throws them off big time. And that is, the way you structure water in the cell is the same way you make jello, which is structured water in a bulk. You take proteins, you add water, nothing happens, so you add heat that unfolds the proteins and that allows it to, to interact with water, and then when it cools, it forms a gel. The same thing happens in our cells. We have proteins, which, by the way, Zach has identified as actin and tubulin, yes. which form this lattice in the cell, and they interact with water. The question is, what plays the role of heat? 
because you don't have a Bunsen burner in your, in your liver? And the answer to that is ATP. And here's the problem. If you ask anybody what is the role of ATP, it generate, it's the energy currency of this system. That is incorrect. There's no energy in ATP. But what ATP does is it attaches to the ends of the protein and unfolds them, allows it to interact with water and form these, these crystalline gels. So it's not saying it's not important, but it's not the energy. And if you miss that, you miss the whole role that water and crystalline structures play in our health because crystalline structures are, they, they counteract entropy and gravity. And that's the difference between life and not life. Every non-living thing, like if I take a book and it'll drop, and if you leave it there a hundred years, it'll turn to dust. But a tree goes up and forms complex structures against entropy. The way it does that, like a crystal, is by using the crystalline water in its tissues to create this force of levity and this negentropic force that's life. From your perspective, Dr. Callan, structured water. So given the credible skyrocketing rates of cancer, where are we going wrong with structured water? What has changed? So here's, here's a very simple way to picture that. And this I described in the heart book because it's a very easy way to see this. So the first step in the heart book was another myth that everybody seems to believe. The heart does not pump the blood. The way that the blood moves is anytime you have a hydrophilic tube, which is what our blood vessels are, and water, it will form a gel on the inside of the tube, which separates the charges and creates flow. And that's how and why the blood flows in our body. So if, you can, if your listeners can picture this, take a beaker of water and you suspend horizontally a hydrophilic tube and you'll see flow just because of the dynamics of water, right? So then you put it in a lead box and it stops flowing. You take it up out of the lead box and shine the sun on it. The sun increases the separation of charges and creates flow. Hydro, uh, uh, beaker of water, uh, horizontal tube, it will flow just because of the separation of charges in the, in the tube. You put it in a lead box, it stops flowing. You take it out of the lead box, you shine the sun on it, the sun charges up the gels, creates a separation of charges, positive charges go in the middle, starts flowing. You put that beaker on the earth, starts flowing. Put your hands on it, the electromagnetic field from a human being starts flowing. It's the basis of laying on of hands. You put your dog next to it, it starts flowing. You put your cell phone next to it, and it will stop the flow. Interesting. Because non-native electromagnetic fields, almost instantly, within a minute, de inhibit, degrade the ability of water to form itself into structures, wow. which is the fundamental death force. Now... Glyphosate does that too. 
Uh, aluminum in the cells do it too, you know, so you get that from vaccines and, and other, you know, aluminum in our environment that we breathe, etc. There's other things that do it, but the fundamental uh, influence that destructures the water in our cell is non-native electromagnetic field, without a doubt. And so, so 5G is going to be much, much bigger crisis. 5G is the, essentially the termination of the ability of life forms to to live in a in a proper healthy electromagnetic field as they were intended that's the end of that we should people should have no doubt of that there should be no you know hope that it won't be so bad or maybe they'll just do a little bit or anything if that is implemented and if we put as we're doing now, the satellites in the magnetic and ionosphere around the Earth and stop this electromagnetic field energy, which is the primary energy that structures the water in our cells. That is the biggest fundamental toxic influence that life forces have ever been exposed to, without any doubt. And so, there's no way to come up with a device that will structured, the broken structured water? So that's a great question. So the first question is, is, is it as simple as drinking structured water creates structured water inside your cells? And I, my first comment on that is not, not to comment on, on what you said, but that sounds to me kind of naive because it's not so simple like that. Okay. I, I think it's certainly, first of all, getting all the poisons out of the water has to be the first step. You know, fluorine, chloride, birth control pills, glyphosate, et cetera. Viagra, sure. Viagra, you know, you know, Prozac, that's all in yeah. the water. So anybody who thinks drinking that water will create healthy intracellular structured water is delusional. Yeah. So that's the first thing. I would look into ultra-pure slash mineralized slash deuterium depleted water because that's another part of this equation there is a some water in us is actually not even h2o it's dho or d2o and that interferes with the ability to produce atp and it interferes with the ability of the water to form itself into structure so that can be a very complicated question okay but, so on a personal level there are shielding techniques that one can use, but one needs to know a lot about that and be, have measurement devices. So there's the aspect of shielding like your bedroom, which definitely helps. Um, and then there's what you can do to increase the cellular health just personally, um, no matter what you're exposed to, right? Because it's an equation of, you have this deteriorating force, EMFs, glyphosate, et cetera, impacting your ability to structure water. And then you have these positive forces, the earth, the sun, your, your loving relations, your putting your feet on the earth. And I would definitely put properly made, 
crystals into those into that category of things that can help you structure your intracellular water. Okay. So there's no doubt. I mean, I use crystals to help. I've seen crystals get rid of people's Graves disease. I was shocked, but it, wow. it just did. Uh, so I've seen, and the only way that could happen is if it created a healthier intracellular water. Which right. That is acceptable. It's, it's, the trouble is, you can't just get like any old crystal and, you know, because it's more complicated than that. So I, those are the kind of things I work on. Okay. What crystal? Does it matter who made the crystal? Does it matter if it's made for you or how you interact with that? These are questions. And the biggest tragedy of this for me is here we spent whatever, $800 billion on a failed predictably failed approach in the amount of money we spent on producing healthy, clean, structured water and allowing people to be exposed to sun and, and, and secure lives, zero. So then they say, how can you, how can, your, your therapy isn't as good as our therapy. I mean, that's not fair. You spend $800 billion and you get almost nothing. You persecute the people who try to do it differently, and then you say, "See, you don't have a, the answer to it." Well, that's it's because we, as a nation or as a global community, are not structured for health. Is how I look at it. We've um, we've created structures, uh, organizational structures that are not all driven towards the same outcome, which is health for all. So when you yeah. have competing interests. Um, you've created an unstructured, toxic environment right. where people that are trying to do good are um, unfortunately not in line uh, with the same incentives and motivations as those who it's run. It's a good way to put it because what we're dealing with is basically projection. Mm -hmm. We've, we, the world has become fundamentally toxic and unstructured yeah. as a reflection of our internal environment. Exactly. That's you know, exactly. I, I put this in a very clear way, or simple way, not clear, but it's like when you talk about doctors, it's like if you were a dolphin doctor, right? World famous dolphin doctor. You know about dolphins near the Arctic Circle. They've been there hundreds of years. They're fine. And then somebody calls you from there and says, hey, these dolphins are getting sick in the Arctic Circle. So you go up there to investigate what happened. I just wonder how many people out there listening would say, the first thing I'm going to do is do a genetic analysis of this particular dolphin who's sick and find out what's wrong. Or I'm going to just do a viral screen and see what kind of virus this dolphin has. Right. There is nobody would do that. Anybody, excuse my French here, who goes there who has any sense at all would say, hey, did somebody put some shit in the water? Yeah. Exactly. Right? That's exactly, exactly. right. So, because you know yeah. that that's probably what happened. Or they built a radar device which interferes with the dolphin's whole electromagnetic uh, sense of life, and they get sick. And one of the ways they get sick is they get infected. Another way is it deteriorates their DNA, which, by the way, the structure of the DNA is 
is essentially organized by the water casing around it. And that is absolutely rock bottom proven. Uh, DNA has a column of structured water in the middle and it's encased in it. And the water structure determines how the DNA is expressed, which is why when you deteriorate the structure of water, you get so many mutations. Yeah. They're just a consequence. But anybody with any sense, I mean, I tell the story when I was a, uh, growing up, I lived right across the street from a wetland. And the reason I knew this was because there are all these frogs in there. And I was a light sleeper and they made a racket, right? So I spent a lot of my time taping the windows and trying to keep the frog not noise out of. And then around eight or so, they stopped, which I thought was good because I didn't have to tape the windows. But the reason they stopped is because they sprayed DDT in the water, killed all the frogs. Oh. And anybody with any sense, you say, what, what happened to the frogs? Did you have a genetic problem? They, yeah. they, too, they have too high cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they yeah. have PHRF mutation, all these things that. Or bad all, luck. That's the best one. It's just luck. Yeah. Sometimes they, it happens. It's just luck. luck genes, you know, and then the yeah. functional doctors test their this mutation and that mutation. Yeah. No, Somebody put something that kills frogs in the water. That's the problem. Like, okay. it's not that complicated. It really isn't. It we, really have, isn't. we don't have diseases. We have poison people. San Francisco, they put up something called Sutro Towers, which was a radio antenna. Mm -hmm. A few years later, they did an analysis of the cancer rate of children within, a, uh, I think, a kilometer, maybe a mile of Sutro Tower. Power oh. 31 times higher than the rest of the city. Oh, wow. There, there, you could do this with any animal, and if it survives the exposure, it will develop all kinds of diseases, cancer being the first. Why does this happen? Because, because electromagnetic fields from a computer destructure your water, and that is the fundamental error that leads to DNA errors and loss of, wow. the, of, of the electromagnetic charge of the cell, loss of the cell to keep its distance. That's the problem. Very Whether doctors know it or not, they of course don't know it. What about infrared? You know, the infrared sauna is very big. I sit in it a lot, so now I'm, now I'm worried. What is an infrared sauna doing to me? I mean, some infrared that mimics natural frequencies is fine. Okay. Uh, the, I can tell you that that one I do know what the, the best brand uh, for people who are interested in that I get no money for saying this I can tell you is a company called saunaspace.com okay they make a essentially a full spectrum red light therapy uh, sauna device and that's uh, the the lights you know after dark that's what we use we use these uh, sauna space red lights you can read with them they give off a little warmth and that's what we use for lighting okay so you and that doesn't create toxic harm in our body in fact it you can demonstrate that a it helps with the so the reason why the reason why glyphosate aluminum mercury 
all these things are poisonous, they get, they get absorbed into the cell and they interfere with the ability to form a mesh, a structure, right. right? So that's why we get sick and that's why we sweat. It, it, I wrote the second book trying to answer the question, why do human beings get sick? So if you have a gel and you put some glyphosate in there and you ask yourself the question, how are you going to get it out? If I was God, I would say the way that I would design this is I would heat up the gel to make it liquid, and then I would make it flush out like a river, and then I would reconstitute the gel. That's what happens. You're normal, and then you get sick. You get a fever, that melts the gel. Then you get mucus, that's been running out, and then you feel better. That's the reconstituting the gel. So when you do certain frequencies like the sauna space, you know, light frequencies, it liquefies the gel, you Got sweat it. out, and then you reconstitute a better gel. That's how every healing system, that's why there was sweat line. Give me a medicine to produce a fever and I can cure any disease, yeah. said Hippocrates. This is not new. We just are fundamentally and astonishingly ignorant about how the human being or all life forces work. And that's a tragedy that's just bigger than you can even imagine. It is because it's the cause of more misery and sorrow than anything else around us today. All right, we are going to dive into potential therapies in part two. So folks, make sure you check out the next video. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.